3: Hey everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now in session. The finest internet radio talk show and podcast in the land of Illinois on the north side of the great, great city of Chicago. You are now on the air. Fun time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me. Have a great time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. You. Everybody, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. It's raining in the city of Chicago. It is raining like cats and dogs. It's been hot, 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 hot. So wherever you are in the world, I hope you're keeping cool if you're having some of this extreme hot weather that we're having uh, in the city today. And uh, it, it is, it has been gorgeous. I mean, it's been gorgeous uh, all week. Uh, fourth of July. Uh, I can't even say it. Fourth of July. And it's just been beautiful but now it's raining everybody was saying it was going to rain on the fourth of july it did not the weather people it did not it was hot it was burning it was scorching but it did not rain we were we were hoping for rain to kind of cool us off but it didn't come you were wrong again weather people anyway uh the george wanda jr show is on the air and uh, we were off for two days because of the holiday uh not necessarily because of the holiday but in a a way because of the holiday was so hot and when there's things are so hot you know things will start messing up with the computers and you know so i didn't want to risk it i didn't want to chance it so i took off we took off for the last two days i'm pretty sure some people felt it (laughs) and i want to apologize once again to the guests who were expecting to come on uh and i want to apologize to the guests who were uh Uh, booked and slated to be on the show and i myself didn't show up so things happen things happen and uh it is still hot it is still hot and and i can tell that some of the heat is affecting the equipment here i'm looking at everything and i'm saying oh something's gonna muck up pretty soon you know so uh but anyway the george water junior show is on the air we uh and we're glad to be on the air uh, I hope everybody had a nice, nice, safe weekend and the 4th of July. Uh, I know I did. We had a great time. We, uh, that's one of the reasons why I, I usually don't come on the air on the 4th of July. You know, and I think I took off the, we were off the day before the 4th of July for some personal business. Anyway, we're back, we're back, we're back, and we're trying to have some fun. But, you know, the fun is kind of... Uh, uh, curtailed because one of my favorite, favorite all-time radio hosts, Ed Schultz, passed away. I mean, if you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, you've heard me, I don't know, a couple of years ago, talk about him and, and uh, uh, build him up and stuff like that, and he's, he's gone. Uh, Ed Schultz uh, of the Ed Schultz Show on the radio and Ed Schultz of the Ed Show on MSNBC. Uh, It's all over everywhere. And people are saying, I didn't know he died. We didn't know he died. I didn't either until I found out. But it was a shocker. I think the last time I saw Ed Schultz was in a Facebook video. He was trying to inform us on some things that were happening uh, in government. And that's been his goal all along. Ed Schultz started out out as a sportscaster, and then he went into radio and then he moved on over to the liberal side of politics and uh, he was successful there for years and years i've I've listened to him on the sh- radio uh, on the radio for years I've listened to him I mean I used to sit in wilt's shows to come on the radio many people we all he always had plenty of callers into his show and he let everybody that he could, uh, you know, just have their peace. And, and that was it. He was, um, he was an icon. He was an idol and I'm surprised that most more people do not know that. I mean, I think Ed Schultz should be put on a pedestal. I mean, I think he should be giving his own day or something or his own street or whatever, because this guy He worked so tirelessly for liberal causes, for liberal causes. And uh, as I've said, I've listened to him for years when he was on the radio. I mean, hey, wow. 11 (laughs) o'clock a.m. was his time. 11 to, I believe, was 11 to 2 or 11 to 3, and then after the Ed Schultz show, was the Tom Hartman show, and just before uh, the Ed Schultz show, it was the uh, Stephanie Miller show. Shows that probably I do think are still on uh, are still airing. Uh, yeah, but Ed left his show to uh, take the job at MSNBC so and uh I think for six years he was there and then they MSNBC decided they wanted to go into another direction so they fired Ed Schultz and gave him a uh, I, I believe allegedly gave him a disclosure agreement not to say nothing about them or criticize them after he's gone after he had left that show the uh, television show so anyway Ed Schultz is gone and um some people have been telling me they heard it on the Tom Hartman show because, uh, because after, I believe after Ed left MSNBC, he uh, joined um, Mike Papantonio, Farron Cousins, and some more for Ring of Fire, which is I think is a great, great, great uh, uh, place for information. On Republicans and liberals, it's just a great news site, Ring of Fire, and I'm I'm pretty sure that the guys over there at Ring of Fire, um, Stephanie Miller, Miller and uh, Randy Rose, uh, uh, and even uh, what's her what's her name uh, what's his name? She goes by either one. What's his name or what's her name? It doesn't matter. She is going to uh, answer. Uh, Rachel Maddow. I, rem- I I recall an interview. Uh, with Rachel Maddow, and I think the guest mistakenly called her, maybe he didn't, maybe he purposely did it, called her Mr. And she eloquently responded, hey, I if you want to call me Mr., Mrs., Miss, Miss, uh, I answer to. Because she's, she's um, you know, she's um, gay. Well, anyway, um, Ed Schultz is gone, and it, it's it's just awful. I wish I had a clip or something or, uh, that I can play. Maybe in the future I can have a clip of him uh, to try to uh, prolong his memory. But he will never be forgotten. I mean, Ed Schultz will never, ever be forgotten. The man, has a, the man has radio shows, podcasts, up to the kazoo. So anytime you think you're missing Ed Schultz, I mean, just go Google him. And uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of his radio shows and podcasts will come up and there he is. And you will find, find out for yourself, how great of a guy this man really was. I mean, he, he went from, I mean, I I don't know if it was two years ago, three years, five, six, seven. um, This guy would not only do a radio show, but he would go out uh, to different parts of the country and do his radio show live with a, with a live audience. And people loved it and he was out there for uh uh, liberal causes and he was a staunch fighter Uh, the republicans you know i mean he he was a he was a straight shooter and and um, when it came to liberal politics he was a great guy and i think that there should be something i think there should be something out here uh i mean really really uh, uh a statue or something I can hear people laughing but hey wow he was just that great of a guy he was just that great of a guy and um, it's it's sad that he's he's not with us anymore because I'm gonna tell you now I'm gonna tell you right now in the age of Donald Trump we could use Ed Schultz but he's not here with us anymore and that that's You know, so we have to go on without him in in terms of fighting the Republicans, in terms of fighting Donald Trump. And. um, Yeah, we're going to miss him. We're going to miss him. I didn't know he was sick. I really didn't. If he was. I don't think he just totally dropped dead. I think there was uh, when I was reading the article, it says something that he had died of natural causes. What is natural causes? Especially at the age of 64. Yeah, he passed away at the age of 64. Now, we all know that 64 is too young to be dying. So there had to be some kind of underlying illness that we haven't, didn't hear about. Too, for, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, 64 is just too young to go, you know. Uh, I'm thinking maybe cancer, diabetes, heart disease, or or, or a number of hosts of diseases he could have, you know, died from. But natural causes, natural cause, causes to just say, hey, he just up and died. That That's what natural cause means to me, is that he just up and just, he just killed over, and that was it. And that could have been, you know, that could have been it. I don't know, but... I guess uh, in a week or so, uh, we'll find out what really, really took life, took the life of our Ed Schultz. He was a great man. He, wasn't, he was a white man. He wasn't racist. And as you can probably see, I'm not racist. But there are so many people out here who are. And there are so many racists out here in the United States, in our neighborhoods. I mean, they are out here in droves. It was nowhere near a racist just like I'm nowhere near a racist but that will not stop other idiots out here from hating other people just because they want to hate or just because of just because of the color of another person's skin it's ridiculous but you got stupid people out here who will do those kinds of things anyway let me see if I can't dig up on dig up on some music. Uh, dig up, not music. I'm thinking about my guitar. Uh, dig up on some more information on Ed Schultz. Yeah, former MSNBC host dies. He wasn't just an MSNBC. He was also a radio host. A really, really good one and a famous one. That's that's how he became an MSNBC host because he was uh, formerly a radio host, which we all, at least I did, uh, tune in to 11 o'clock uh, a.m. every morning just to hear him, you know, um, do his commentary, his reporting, his callers. Uh, it's saying here that Ed Schultz was a political commentator. That would be, that would be uh, more likely to describe him, and a former MSNBC. Uh, uh, host Ed Schultz has died at the age of 64. Schultz died of natural causes in Washington D.C. According to blah 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 Fargo, North Dakota station where Schultz got his start. Here is Schultz's many many rallies that he gave, and um, I'm gonna have to save this photograph because it, it, it's it just so much memories. Uh, From Ed Schultz. Okay, it says here, I'm reading an article, trying to give you guys some more insight into Ed Schultz, because he was a great guy. Uh, Great radio show host, great MSNBC talk show host. I mean, when he was on television, he outlined everything, and he made so much sense when he was talking about and talking against the Republicans. Okay, Ed Schultz, a former Minnesota State University football player. I think I alluded to that. Schultz served as sports director uh, okay, at uh, WDAY from 1988 to 1996. During play, play he was doing play by play for college football. He transitioned into political commentary in the 90s with a number of regional radio broadcasts in the Midwest, right here in the city of Chicago. We were one of the hubs that. That uh, received the Ed Schultz show, and uh, I was on it when I when I discovered Ed Schultz. I was on it because I was all about, you know, making the world a better place. Even then, when I didn't even have a show of my own, I was all all about making the world a better place. And Schultz was one of the persons who uh, helped me to do that. Um, after his political views moved towards the left, Ed Schultz Ed Schultz landed his own MSN. BC Television show in 2009, the Ed Show, debuted on April 6, 2009, and ran for six years in a number of time periods, including both weekends and weekends, weekends and weekdays. Sorry, um, it was canceled in 2015 as a part of the network's transition away from commentary and into uh, breaking news coverage. Which I think is phony. I just think they wanted to. A lot of people were saying the reason why MSNBC had gotten rid of Ed Schultz and a lot of other its its uh, main talkers and 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 talk show hosts was the reason they were trying to become or be like Fox News. Okay, that's this is what I've heard that they were trying to be like Fox News because Fox News were at this time. We're eating them up in the ratings, you know, so. But you'd be surprised that if I can move on to uh, what's happening currently, you'd be surprised at how many Fox News personalities are now working in the White House. Yeah, working in the White House. The United States is being run and led by Fox News. Fox fucking news, right? Donald Trump is hiring everybody from Fox News. Wow. A, tele, a, a, a fake news station. But they're kissing his ass, so he might as well give him a job in the White House, right? Anyway, Ed Schultz is gone, but we have to find ways. At least I do. I have to find a way to try to preserve his memory. Because he's the one of the reasons why I'm in this business. He's, he's one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. Just one of them. My, the other reason to why I'm doing this is my grandmother. But Ed Schultz played a significant part in me wanting to be a talk show host. Yeah, he played a significant part. Because if you think about it, I never thought out to actually be a talk show do this I I just it was there and someone said try it so I tried <laughs> someone said well George you have a nice voice I used to hear that a lot and um, and then one day I decided to record myself I've recorded myself many times in the past but I've never recorded myself actually just talking you know so I decided to do it I said whoa when I heard myself I said okay all right maybe this will work maybe this will work but, uh, you know, but, but my, my grandmother and um, Ed Schultz, Tom Hartman, uh, a lot of these people who are my heroes is one of the reasons why I, I delved into this. I remember my grandmother. You know, said, what do your grandmother got to do with this? I know when I was younger, I mean, a hell of a lot younger, I used to go over her house and she would have on the, uh, her, her house was always quiet. It, it was just so opposite of our house. It was always quiet. It was quiet, it was beautiful, it was clean, it was decent. You almost, hate, you almost hated to sit down anywhere. It was so just, it was just that immaculate, my grandmother's, uh, Mary Collins, uh, her, uh, her home, you know. And, but anyway, when I would go over there and she would always, one of the things about my grandmother, anytime I went over her house, she was so welcoming. She was just so gracious the first thing she would ask me <laughs> are you hungry do you want something to eat you know she would always uh, would do that And sometimes i would take something to eat just so she could you know m- because it made her feel good. it made her feel good and so i'm gonna take it because it made her feel good but sometimes i was really hungry
1: <laughs>
3: but anyway she she uh she was uh, she's a, i used to go over her house and she was like um Always listening to this twenty-four-hour uh, radio talk show. I think it was. A, a, I think it was all news station, an all news station. Every day she would always have it on. A, be no music, none of that stuff. She would have it on an all news station, and I would sit there, and we just me and her. We would just sit there, and we would listen. We would listen, and that is how one of the reasons. One of the biggest reasons why I'm on the air now, because of what I was hearing and and listening to as I was visiting my grandmother every every day. I would she would have on an all news station. I said, wait, wait a minute, maybe I can do that. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking at uh Ed Schultz here, folks, and um he looks so alive and well. Uh, but he's gone. It's Sixty-four. Sixty-four. What the hell is happening? 64. That's young. That's very, very young. But as I've mentioned before, um, we will find out the real cause of his death. Like, what the hell is natural causes? I mean, you just die, just, it's just a natural death? or what, what is that? They have to explain that to me. I'm stupid. What the hell is natural causes? Especially for someone who was just 64 years old, totally, totally young. And um, I don't know if it would, if he would have been 65 this year or not. I don't Too young for someone like Ed Schultz. It doesn't make sense for us to be losing all of these leaders, these great, great leaders. But we're going to have to make up for them because if we lose them, we have to find them. And it's not Barack Obama. It is not Barack Obama one bit. Uh, Keith Overman. I think we need Keith Overman back. I, I don't know what he's doing. But his commentaries and his videos were just spot on, as Ed would say. Ed would always use that uh, spot on. Yeah, that's spot on. That's where I got it from. I got it from Ed's show spot on. So... um Wow, this, this is a shocker. Ed Schultz gone at the age of uh, 64. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure the guys over there, Ring, ring of Fire, uh, all, all of his, you know, all the people who work with him and all the people who uh, love them, I, I know they're shocked. I know they're saddened. It just, and we're saddened. Guys like us who are just, you know, a needle in a haystack, we are saddened also at the loss of, of, our great friend and liberal commentary, Ed Schultz. According to a CBS report that came out Wednesday evening, both Sarah Huckabee Sanders and-
2: This week, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that workers cannot file lawsuits against employers for stealing their wages, and instead, they have to go in front of a panel of corporate friendly arbitrators that are always handpicked by the corporation. This story's been kicking out there for a long time. I mean, this is, you've got, um, you've got a labor policy that makes it virtually impossible for individuals to sue their employees. In other words, an employer literally steals money from them. They do it all kinds of ways. They make them work during break times. They don't pay them for overtime. They've got all kinds of scams. We, we've seen every iteration you can imagine.
1: What I call freedom. Where?
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show, ladies and gentlemen. It is rainy in the city of Chicago. I hope it's great where you are. It's rainy, but it's hot, it's muggy, it's stuffy, it's humid. All the ingredients to make you just miserable. But we love it, don't we? No, we don't. Yes, we do. <laughs> okay. The George Wilder Jr. Show is here. All righty. You're on the air. Go right ahead.
2: Yeah, my name is Brian Gardner. I am a award-winning journalist and author. I set up to do a podcast with you today, so I'm calling about yeah. my book "Plan for America and the World."
3: Yeah, I know that you're right here on my marquee, Brian Gardner on the George Wilder Jr. Show, ladies and gentlemen, and he's going to be telling us about his plan for the world. I believe that's what it is, isn't it? <laughs> you got a plan? Yeah, for I the thought
2: i I thought I'd think big, you know, George. <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah. Well well you know what? We need a plan.
2: <laughs> yeah, don't we? Uh let me tell you that um I have been the guest on this will be show number twenty five thousand and one talking about community betterment topics. That's not to brag. Oh, I feel very humbled to have to have you know, been able to get out there and, and give some hope to people with some solutions. And but it's working. I also Can you hear me?
3: Yeah, I can hear you.
2: Okay, good. So the thing that I want to start with, my book kind of opens up like an onion. You know, you peel off the first layer, you get down to the heart of it. The thing we have right now, George, is because it costs $50 million to become a U.S. senator and about the same amount to be a congressperson, we have arrived again, and our founding fathers would look at us and shake their fingers in shame, at a point where we are at a point where we have taxation without any true representation. And the reason I can say that with certainty is that if you go in and talk to your senator, your your national senator, and you tell them don't vote for that bridge or vote for that bridge or whatever, they'll say, you know, I'm so glad you came in my office and you're a, a very active member of the community. Thank you very much. When you leave their office, they're going to probably check with the person that funds them to the tune of $50 million. And they'll vote that way instead of for us, because that is how things have evolved. Yeah, And the way to start breaking that is everybody who can hear my voice ought to start calling their elected officials by their true name, not politicians, but by their true name, and that is public servants. And if they don't like it, don't, and they react badly to it, say again. Uh,
3: I'm I'm with you. I don't think they're gonna like it. I mean, they don't they don't think they're yeah. public servants.
2: Right, we are their boss. The only reason we yeah. have senators and congressmen, and people know this, is because we all can't go to Washington. 350 million of us and vote on bills. Exactly. <laughs> so if they don't like it, vote for somebody else because probably they are not working in our best interests. The second way in my chapter on politicians that we start unraveling this mess is to limit the mm-hmm. amount of money that has been given to any particular politician from any source. And in that way, we will break the stranglehold that the politicians are under from special interests. And we will lower the cost of how much it costs to be a Senator from a state by doing a study. And let's take Ohio, just, let's just take Ohio for a moment. Let's say they did a study and found out that the people of Ohio collectively could raise $100,000, so good. You can only spend $100,000 to be a national senator from the state of Ohio. Can you imagine if the people of Ohio raised $100,000, sent John Smith or Mary Smith to Washington, that person only is answerable to the people of Ohio. Can you imagine the change this country would undergo? Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, those I, I totally are the- agree. You know. Yeah. And a, a quote by Mae Brussel, who is a very, very respected investigator and researcher. And this is a broad statement. So somebody could say, well, not all of them. OK, fine. But here's your quote. The Republican and Democratic parties have both been sabotaged by intelligent agencies that have infiltrated both parties to keep control of the government. Now, George, I'm tired of be called a conspiratorist. No, if I was an evil-minded person, the first thing I would do was destroy the educational system in this country so young people can't decide anything. And number two, I would make sure the politicians have to raise so much money that I can control them by being the person that gives them the money they need. It's not a conspiracy. It's just, sure, that's what they're going to do to cement their control over things. Yeah. And another thing that is a major problem in this country, but that a lot of people covertly make a lot of money off is drugs, of course. And in my book, I talk about an organization that is international in scope called drug free world. And I'll give the website for them in a moment. They have booklets for alcohol, drugs, LSD, marijuana, everything written factually, as the best weapon for our young people, and that is information. Read about what cocaine will do to you. If our young people read that, they'd go, why would I mess with that junk? Look at all the side effects, look at the problems. And people who would like these free booklets, organizations, individuals, I will give this website, www.drugfreeworld.org. These booklets are amazing because they don't preach, don't do drugs, which turns kids off. They say, okay, let's look at this drug and let's see what it'll do. Because I think you will agree with me as well, George, and this is the spirit of my book as well. Young people are the future of this country, any country. They are the future of this world. Yeah. If we do not invest in them, it's like being on a railroad car going 80 miles an hour, Somebody's supposed to be building the track up ahead of you, but they took a break and you're going to run right off the rails in a few minutes. We must invest in our young people better than we're doing today.
3: So, uh, I mean, let's talk about your plans, your books, your plans. How would you a lot of a lot of it sounds very interesting and a lot of it sounds as if it could work. So how would you try to get people to implement some of these things?
2: Well, the first thing is I am really not interested in so much. I mean, if I sell some of my books, I'll just pour the money back into more books. But I want to get this book out there talking about it on radio shows, get it out to people. It only costs $10, but a lot of times I'll send books out to people free. I want to get the information out there similarly in the way that um, Common Sense was written before we disassociated ourselves from England by Thomas Paine. The way to do first is to educate people about the problem and give them some hope because people get kind of apathetic when they figure that some big fat cat can, you know, buy a senator. Well, how can we possibly, we can't buy the senator. So we have to come with other, up with other solutions. And the first thing, my book is written entirely to empower people. I wanna live in a country and a world, George, where people are well-educated, they are healthy, they have been trained to spot somebody who's, hi, how you doing there, yes, I'd like to be your senator, and fake from day one, because in that kind of world, we are gonna get better people in politics, we're gonna have a better world, better communities, less drugs and crime, and the way to start is with education. I have a bookmark which I will send you 25 of these bookmarks and more if you need them. Yes. On the front, it shows how to get my book, but on the back I listed out a number of organizations that deal with helping students study, helping people to not experience psychiatric abuse, uh, how to rehabilitate criminals. I mentioned the drug, uh, yeah. The, you know, the drug information booklets, uh, information about human rights, information about a drug detox program, which is the most successful in the world called Narcanon, and then a booklet that has been distributed to communities. Now, I'm telling you this because I saw the document. This mayor was not associated with the Way to Happiness Community Betterment Campaign. They distributed 100,000 Way to Happiness booklets, and it's a non-religious common sense booklet with 21 chapters in it. And the crime rate went to zero. Now, that's not me making that up. He issued a proclamation that the crime rate had dropped to zero. So education and information is first. These people, you know, I understand their viewpoint. They think we're in 1776. The quote-unquote enemy is an ocean away. Let me tell you right now, George, we cannot win using violence against the U.S. military or the U.S. government. We're outgunned. They are on this soil. Back in 1776, we had cannons. They had cannons. The English, you know, were an ocean away. It was very expensive, difficult for them to get more troops here uh when a lamp is falling over in your living room and it starts to tip if you catch it before that point where it's going to hit the ground you can save it from hitting the ground but if you let the lamp tip and tip and tip and tip and it gets to that point where no even if you're a weightlifter you couldn't save it we must not let yeah. the country get to that point because in my yeah, book yeah i agree the, the first, the first line of my book is, we live in very dangerous times, because thank God and thank the military that we can stop Hitler. But if this country is taken over by an open dictatorship or by a police state, I'll clean up my language, who the heck is going to stop that scenario? And so we must not let the lamp fall that far. We must step in and correct this. Now, I know everybody's busy, everybody's working all kinds of hours because we have obscenely high taxes in this country. Still, it is important for people to do something every day, every week, every month, even if it's small, to take responsibility so that this country with those fantastic freedoms that are written about in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, are preserved. Because whether you're an independent, a Democrat, a Republican, you do have freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of assembly, we must not let those freedoms go away.
3: I agree. I totally agree. But, I mean, if you take the current climate, uh, the, the administration that we have, now and you're talking about education i do believe that education is the key we have too many stupid people in the country we have too many people who are right. proudly we have too many people who are proudly uh uh feel illiterate. proudly for being ignorant for illiterate ignorant yeah. or whatever we have too many people who are proud and uh we have yeah. a, an administration who wants to get rid of education
2: right. how would you say now, that? Let's, let's- Right. Let's, let's pretend you and I are very evil. The first thing we do is want to make sure people are very easy to control. So let's keep them dumb. Let's make obscenely high taxes so that people are working crazy, tired all the time, just want to come home, watch TV. And the news is controlled by the same people who are controlling the senators. Now let's go back in time for a moment and I'll show you why this happened. Do you know that the young people after World War II, the young people, you know, the husbands came back, the economy was in good shape, the young people got to go to college and really question whether we should be in Vietnam or not. And they found out that drugs were coming back from Vietnam, that Bell helicopter was making millions of dollars off that war, regardless of the human tragedy. And young people, through their relentless exposes on what was really going on with that war and the release of the Pentagon Papers, showed finally the American public got sick of it. And young people were dictating White House policy. If you were a politician that came out and said, yeah, we're gonna do more fighting in Vietnam, you wouldn't be elected at all. When the powers that be that were making money off that war saw these young hippies and other people and blacks and Mexicans and protesting against this war, they said, we are never gonna allow young people to have that much power again, ruin the economy, ruin the educational system, prevent them from ever doing that again. Because let me tell you right now, George, I don't think that war would still be going on, but young people stopped that war before the munitions and arms dealers had made as much money as they wanted on that war. And that's why we are in the situation we're in with our educational system so poor and obscenely high taxes and people working now. Evil people, many times, do not, they're not as smart as they think they are. The internet is our great hope, and they're still trying to curtail that. And so yeah. is radio like this and podcasts. But we must realize the historical precedent that caused us to be in this situation and start reversing it by getting better people in power, changing the fact that it costs so much to run for office and really starting to take responsibility in a small way or a large way to preserve this great country. Doesn't mean everything this country has done, every leader has been perfect, but the foundation of this country allows me to get on the radio. And when I finish talking to you on this podcast, there isn't a knock at my door and you never hear from me again. Thank God.
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Brian Gardner on the George Wilder <laughs> Brian Gardner on the George Wilder Jr. Show. All right, let's wrap it up. Give us give us some websites. Give us some uh where we can go find your book at and uh uh all yeah. that good stuff.
2: Yeah, so it's called Plan for America and the World. Mm-hmm. Uh you can get it. It's once again ten bucks. If if somebody I, I will actually uh give you my email. I want to give it because I could get everybody crazy, whatever, you know, emailing me, yeah. but if someone says you, like, I don't have $10, but I got to read that book. You let me know. I'll make sure they get a free copy. Uh, but you if bet. people want to go check out my, my posts and different things, uh, and this book doesn't come from a Republican or Democrat, democratic viewpoint. It's let's get people empowered. It's www.planforamericaandtheworld.com for America and and before okay. I go, when I'm off the air, let me give you my email so that people who really need to get a hold of this book can. And then I will send you, uh, do I have an address? I'll get an address from you. I'll send you 25 to 50 of these bookmarks. You can get those okay. out there because the bookmark has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fantastic groups that they can get free information from to handle any problem they're probably dealing with or a family member or their community is dealing with. Okay, and I can't thank you enough for having me on the show today.
3: I can't, I can't thank you enough for wanting to do the show, and I totally, totally appreciate it. So, uh, you know, George, I'm uh, trying
2: to get fired up. I'm trying to get you know fired up on this. <laughs> you are fired up. <laughs> you are fired up,
3: <laughs> and that's great to be fired up on my show because I know after my show you're going to be going right to do another show, and I think that's, I think that's great. You're getting a word out that people, that people don't have to sit and take it. You know, we, we, we can no. do something. We no. can really.
2: Yeah, we have the power. We got 350 yeah. million. There's only a handful of people that are trying to do for themselves. Yes, they're in a position of power, but we are the ones that if we decide to can, you know, turn it around. Now, yeah. do we have yeah. still a minute yeah. or two? I, I got to share something with Pardon you. Me? Let's go back in time. Huh?
3: Okay, we got about, I'll give you a minute. Yeah. Okay, real quick.
2: Let's go back in time. We're sitting in a bar in New England, and some guy says, you know, George, I think we can get free of the British. And and the guy goes, are you crazy? They are the number one warring nation in the world. You cannot win. And the reason they did win these farmers is because freedom is important to every individual, we don't have to pick up guns, but I'm telling you, we have the momentum on our side because we don't want to enslave anybody. We wanna preserve freedom and liberty, and that is for everyone, and that's why we're gonna win.
3: And you know, I truly believe you, I'm on your side, I'm all there, I'm a fighter myself, I think I'm somewhat of a leader, I try to get, get people to moving also. Uh, because yep. uh, so many people out here are trying to wait on leaders to guide them, you should become your right. own leader and do your do your own thing,
2: kind of speaking. Right. So uh, now that we're we're almost finished, I do want to get a mailing address for you, and off the air, I want to give okay. you my email address. And thank you for having me on the show.
3: All right. Uh, you can also you know my email address, right? You can also send me. Um,
2: uh, yeah, I just send it to you there. My,
1: yeah, and I
3: just then you'll do.
2: send me back your address where I can mail it to you. Yes, I believe I do have your email address exactly. here. Yes, I do. Okay. Okay. All right.
3: All right, ladies and gentlemen. George, Brian. thank you Gardner so much. Jr. Show and thank you so much for uh, being on the show for doing the show. Yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Brian uh, Gardner on the George Wilder Junior Show. Lots of lots of great information there, folks, and uh, please. Please take heed of that stuff because this is important. This is our time. This is our. This is our America. It doesn't belong to them. It's a handful of them, like he said. It's three hundred and twenty, three hundred and fifty million of us. Just a handful of these fools that try. That's trying to uh, do everything they can to uh, wreck our country. But we are the ones who can uh, galvanize and. Uh, take this back we need to take it back
2: young turks now has audio the tyt audio network podcast of some of your favorite shows and new shows including one with nina turner former
0: I'm here today to talk about a disturbing question which has an equally disturbing answer. My topic is the secrets of domestic violence. And the question I'm going to tackle is the one question everyone always asks. Why does she stay? Why would anyone stay with a man who beats her? I'm not a psychiatrist, a social worker, or an expert in domestic violence. I'm just one woman with a story to tell. I was 22. I had just graduated from Harvard College. I'd moved to New York City for my first job as a writer and editor at Seventeen Magazine. I had my first apartment, my first little green American Express card, and I had a very big secret. My secret was that I had this gun loaded with hollow point bullets pointed at my head by the man who I thought was my soulmate many, many times. The man who I loved, more than anybody on earth, held a gun to my head and threatened to kill me more times than I can even remember. I'm here to tell you the story of crazy love, a psychological trap disguised as love, one that millions of women and even a few men fall into every year. It may even be your story. I don't look like a typical domestic violence survivor, I have a BA in English from Harvard College, an MBA in Marketing from Wharton Business School. I spent most of my career working for Fortune 500 companies, including Johnson & Johnson, Leo Burnett, and The Washington Post. I've been married for almost 20 years to my second husband, and we have three kids together. My dog is a black lab, and I drive a Honda Odyssey minivan. (laughs) So my first message for you is that domestic violence happens to everyone. All races, all religions, all income and education levels. It's everywhere. And my second message is that everyone thinks domestic violence happens to women. That it's a women's issue. Not exactly. Over 85% of abusers are men. And domestic abuse happens only in intimate, interdependent, long-term relationships. In other words, in families the last place we would want or expect to find violence, which is one reason domestic abuse is so confusing. I would have told you myself that I was the last person on earth who would stay with a man who beats me. But in fact, I was a very typical victim because of my age. I was 22. And in the United States, women ages 16 to 24 are three times as likely to be domestic violence victims as women of other ages. And over 500 women and girls this age are killed every year by abusive partners, boyfriends and husbands in the United States. I was also a very typical victim because I knew nothing about domestic violence, its warning signs or its patterns. I met Connor on a cold, rainy January night. He sat next to me on the New York City subway, and he started chatting me up. He told me two things. One was that he, too, had just graduated from an Ivy League school and that he worked at a very impressive Wall Street bank. Mm -hmm. But what made the biggest impression on me that first meeting was that he was smart and funny, and he looked like a farm boy. He had these big cheeks, these big apple cheeks, and this wheat blonde hair, and he seemed so sweet. One of the smartest things Connor did from the very beginning was to create the illusion that I was the dominant partner in the relationship. He did this, especially at the beginning, by idolizing me. We started dating, and he loved everything about me. That I was smart, that I'd gone to Harvard, that I was passionate about helping teenage girls and my job. He wanted to know everything about my family and my childhood, my hopes and dreams. Connor believed in me as a writer and a woman in a way that no one else ever had. And he also created a magical atmosphere of trust between us by confessing his secret, which was that as a very young boy starting at age four, he had been savagely and repeatedly physically abused by his stepfather. And the abuse had gotten so bad that he had had to drop out of school in eighth grade, even though he was very smart. And he'd spent almost 20 years rebuilding his life, which is why, that Ivy League degree and the Wall Street job and his bright, shiny future meant so much to him. If you had told me that this smart, funny, sensitive man who adored me would one day dictate whether or not I wore makeup, how short my skirts were, where I lived, what jobs I took, who my friends were, and where I spent Christmas, I would have laughed at you because there was not a hint of violence, or control, or anger in Connor at the beginning. I didn't know that the first stage in any domestic violence relationship is to seduce and charm the victim. I also didn't know that the second step is to isolate the victim. Now, Connor did not come home one day and announce, you know, hey, this, all this Romeo and Juliet stuff has been great, but I need to move into the next phase, where I isolate you and I abuse you. <laughs> so I need to get you out of this apartment where the neighbors can hear you scream, and out of this city where you have friends and family and coworkers who can see the bruises. Instead, Connor came home one Friday evening, and he told me that he had quit his job that day, his dream job. And he said that he had quit his job because of me, because I had made him feel so safe and loved that he didn't need to prove himself on Wall Street anymore. And he just wanted to get out of the city and away from his abusive, dysfunctional family and move to a tiny town in New England where he could start his life over with me by his side. Now, the last thing I wanted to do was leave New York, and my my dream job. But I thought you made sacrifices for your soulmate. So I agreed and I quit my job, and Connor and I left Manhattan together. I had no idea I was falling into crazy love, that I was walking headfirst into a carefully laid physical, financial, and psychological trap. The next step in the domestic violence pattern is to introduce the threat of violence and see how she reacts. And here's where those guns come in. As soon as we moved to New England, you know that place where Connor was supposed to feel so safe? He bought three guns. He kept one in the glove compartment of our car. He kept one under the pillows on our bed. And the third one he kept in his pocket at all times. And he said that he needed those guns because of the trauma he'd experienced as a young boy. He needed them to feel protected. But those guns were really a message for me. And even though he hadn't raised a hand to me, My life was already in grave danger every minute of every day. Connor first physically attacked me five days before our wedding. It was 7 a.m. I still had on my nightgown. I was working on my computer trying to finish a freelance writing assignment, and I got frustrated. And Connor used my anger as an excuse to put both of his hands around my neck and to squeeze so tightly that I could not breathe or scream, and he used the chokehold to hit my head repeatedly against the wall. Five days later, the ten bruises on my neck had just faded, and I put on my mother's wedding dress, and I married him. Despite what had happened, I was sure we were going to live happily ever after, because I loved him, and he loved me so much. And he was very, very sorry. He had just been really stressed out by the wedding and by becoming a family with me. It was an isolated incident and he was never going to hurt me again. It happened twice more on the honeymoon. The first time, I was driving to find a secret beach and I got lost. And he punched me in the side of my head so hard that the other side of my head repeatedly hit the driver's side window. And then a few days later, driving home from our honeymoon, he got frustrated by traffic, and he threw a cold Big Mac in my face. Connor proceeded to beat me once or twice a week for the next two and a half years of our marriage. I was mistaken in thinking that I was unique and alone in this situation. One in three American women experiences domestic violence or stalking at some point in her life and the CDC reports that 15 million children are abused every year. Fifteen million. So actually, I was in very good company. Back to my question, why did I stay? The answer is easy. I didn't know he was abusing me. Even though he held those loaded guns to my head, pushed me downstairs, threatened to kill our dog, pulled the key out of the car ignition as I drove down the highway, poured coffee grinds on my head as I dressed for a job interview. I never once thought of myself as a battered wife. Instead, I was a very strong woman in love with a deeply troubled man, and I was the only person on earth who could help Connor face his demons. The other question everybody asks is, why doesn't she just leave? Why didn't I walk out? I could have left any time. To me, this is the saddest and most painful question that people ask. Because we victims know something you usually don't. It's incredibly dangerous to leave an abuser. Because the final step in the domestic violence pattern is kill her. Over 70% of domestic violence murders happen after the victim has ended the relationship after she's gotten out, because then the abuser has nothing left to lose. Other outcomes include long-term stalking, even after the abuser remarries, denial of financial resources, and manipulation of the family court system to terrify the victim and her children, who are regularly forced by family court judges to spend unsupervised time with the man who beat their mother. And still we ask, Why doesn't she just leave? I was able to leave because of one final sadistic beating that broke through my denial. I realized that the man who I loved so much was gonna kill me if I let him. So I broke the silence. I told everyone, the police, my neighbors, my friends and family, total strangers. And I'm here today because you all helped me. We tend to stereotype victims as grisly headlines, self-destructive women, damaged goods. The question, why does she stay, is code for some people for it's her fault for staying. As if victims intentionally choose to fall in love with men intent upon destroying us. But since publishing Crazy Love, I have heard hundreds of stories from men and women who also got out, who learned an invaluable life lesson from what happened, and who rebuilt lives, joyous, happy lives, as employees, wives, and mothers, lives completely free of violence, like me. It turns out that I'm actually a very typical domestic violence victim, and a typical domestic violence survivor. I remarried a kind and gentle man. We have those three kids. I have that black lab, and I have that minivan. What I will never have again, ever, is a loaded gun held to my head by someone who says that he loves me. Now, right now, maybe you're thinking, wow, this is fascinating. Or, wow, how stupid was she? But this whole time, I've actually been talking about you. I promise you, there are several people listening to me right now who are currently being abused, or who were abused as children, or who are abusers themselves. Abuse could be affecting your daughter, your sister, your best friend right now. I was able to end my own crazy love story by breaking the silence. I'm still breaking the silence today. It's my way of helping other victims. And it's my final request of you. Talk about what you heard here. Abuse thrives only in silence. You have the power to end domestic violence simply by shining a spotlight on it. We victims need everyone. We need every one of you to understand the secrets of domestic violence. Show abuse the light of day by talking about it with your children, your coworkers, your friends and family. Recast survivors as wonderful, lovable people with full futures. Recognize the early signs of violence and conscientiously intervene De-escalate it. Show victims a safe way out. Together, we can make our beds, our dinner tables, and our families the safe and peaceful oases they should be. Thank you.
1: Hey everybody,
3: the George Wilder Jr. Show is now in session The
0: finest internet
3: radio talk show and podcast in the land of Illinois On the north side of the great, great city of Chicago We are now on the air Fun time, ladies and gentlemen Thank you for joining me Have a great time Welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank my guest, Brian Gardner, Gardner uh, if, if I'm pronouncing it right. And I want to say one more time that former MSNBC host Ed Schultz has died. And we're all here at the George Wilder Jr. Show. We all have a uh, heavy, heavy heart because he was one of the greats. He, I mean, he was out there in the trenches fighting for our... Uh, if you don't know much about Ed Schultz, uh, Google him, uh, research, do your research and and find out what a great guy, what a great American he was, you know, uh, he was, I mean, when he went from uh, the radio to MSNBC, you know, it was a disappointment for me because I wasn't hearing him on the radio, but in some cases he were, he was also working uh, MSNBC and on the radio at the same time. Uh, at least, uh, you know, during some of those same times, he was on the radio. He would do the show, and then he would do the radio show, and then or he would do the radio show, and then he would do the television show. But he had both his radio show and a television show. So he was a, he was he was out there in the trenches, man. I mean, uh, research him, you'll find out that he gave all kinds of stand up rallies. That's uh, <clears throat> uh, took a show on the road, uh, if I can say it. Uh, and and made people, uh, gave people hope, made people want to do something about their lives. I mean, he was, uh, and, uh, you know, he's gone now. And uh, I think he should be given more than just a gravestone. Uh, You know, I, I think he should be given something here in the city of Chicago to say that Ed Schultz was here and Ed Schultz did this and Ed Schultz did that and the people were, um in awe of Ed Schultz and his abilities to get things done, especially for the people, for the people of the, uh, of, the of the United States, of people of Illinois. I mean, you know, all over the place. Ed was all over the place. You know, you're talking about Donald Trump running to rallies. I mean, Ed Schultz could pull a rally anywhere. You know, I mean, if he wanted to. Okay, all right. Ed Schultz dead at the age of. Uh, 64. And uh, there will be no other like him. There will be no one like him. And, uh, you know, so my condolences to George Wilder Jr. Show. My condolences go out to the family. Uh, Ed Schultz's family. And uh, we love them too, you know. So Uh, I'm getting choked up speaking about it because he was such a great guy. You just hate to see, you don't like to see people who are, Great people, wonderful people, nice people, people who would give you the shirt off their backs, who would do anything they could to help you, uh, reach out and help you, you know, do anything for you. And suddenly death takes them. They die. And you wonder why? 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 Why did you take them? Well, you got evil assholes like Donald Trump in the White House. Death just doesn't seem to want this fucker. <laughs> <laughs> my language folks it's just uh, <clears throat> that um, you know sometimes it gets like that all right you've been listening to the george Wander junior show on Plog talk radio uh mm-hmm. we've ha- we have to try and uh uh you know enlighten things i, I think brian Gardiner did that uh telling us ways how we can take our country back but we have to get up there and, and do it for ourselves we can't seem as if we're helpless we can't seem, you, you can't make yourself depressed. Depressed about what's going on, you got to get out there and do something. He's right, there's over 350 million people in the United States and just a handful of assholes in Congress. Now, who has the better hand? You know, uh, who has the better hand? We have, we, we have it. Vote blue and make sure you vote blue. Uh, I'm, I'm still thinking about Ed Schultz. <laughs> I know tomorrow, next week. Well, we, we will not be on the air tomorrow, but you can always podcast the show. Um, just thinking about Ed Schultz. And there's a picture. Every, every, every news site or media site that I go to online you know, has a picture or a photograph of Ed Schultz. you know. And I'm pretty sure it's all over the uh, broadcast news, television, radio, internet radio, podcast you know, I'm pretty sure it's not, I'm pretty sure Fox News is probably not talking about it because Ed Schultz was always in Fox News' News's ass, you know, so if they are talking about him, it they're just probably making a reference to him and then going off on something else, but anyway, <clears throat> he was a great guy, he was a wonderful guy, we're gonna miss him, and uh, I'm hoping that my show did a really good job at getting the news out that he has passed away and his contributions to America, to America. And um, yeah, I'm just hoping that everything is uh, uh, because, you know, you, you don't want somebody who you admired, liked, uh, enjoyed to just die and disappear and never be heard of again. So many people do that. They die. You never hear from them again. But hopefully, this will not happen to Ed Schultz because he has such a legacy that he's leaving behind, and, um, uh, and we're all going to be a part of that legacy that he leaves behind, because it, it, he left a great legacy behind. He left he left so much material behind that um, so much material behind that we you know can all always uh, you know, check out. You know, <laughs> Ed Schultz, my favorite, dead at the age of. 64. One of the things, folks, we're all going to die. Everybody's going to die. Well, we don't have to die so soon, you know. 64 is too young, you know. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We will be right back. <laughs> While well the Show, I want to thank my guest uh, Ryan Staringer for being a great guest on the show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in, listening to my internet radio show, podcast, whatever you want to call it—it's up to you. Um, we had a great time today. We will—we will not be back until Monday, next Monday, uh, the following Monday, uh, the starting—the start of a new week, and um, because I have to do some writing, I have to do uh, personal. Uh, Errands and stuff like that, you know, keep the lights on. You know, we got to do stuff like that. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the George Walter Jr. Show. Make sure you tune in next week. We're going to have a whole slew of guests <laughs> right on up to Thursday. We're on four days a week, folks. Four days a week, Monday through Thursday, starting at six p.m. Chicago time to seven thirty to or eight o'clock uh, Central Standard Time, Chicago time. So you, you know, uh, make a note of that and tune into the George Wanda Jr. Show. Oh, there's lots of podcasts. We're all over the internet. I discovered it. Yeah. I, I discovered that we're all over the internet. I mean, somebody somewhere has been picking us up without telling me, you know, <laughs> anyway, uh, have a great evening. Have a great, uh, uh, morning or night whenever you're listening to the show, whenever you're podcasting the show, great evening, great weekend, just stay safe. Uh, keep cool get yourself a great fan or 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 uh air conditioner stay cool if you don't have a fan or an air conditioner try to get out and find uh cooling centers they're all over the place uh we don't need to uh uh die of heat heat exhaustion or anything like that all right all right you guys uh be cool out there and uh, literally be cool because it's hot you know in some places in the city of chicago and around america it's it's, it's been uh really really uh burning hot ninety five to a hundred degrees over a hundred degrees in some places, so folks you stay warm you stay safe, not warm but stay safe drink plenty of water and I find out that's a good thing for uh, heat uh, like this that we're getting in the city of Chicago in July uh, that the drinking plenty of water plenty of liquids not pop not soda not uh, milkshakes and and malts, Uh, I'm talking, (laughs) uh, soda pop, I'm talking about straight up water, just plain old water. You'd be surprised. All right, we're off the air. Hope you join us next week. Thank my guest, Brian Gardner. We have some catching up to do and we're gonna get that done. All right, bye-bye everybody, take care.
1: Help the girl who walks the streets alone Heaven help the roses If the bombs begin to fall Heaven never soul. Heaven help the black man If he struggles one more day Heaven help the white man If he turns Oh